Amen. All right. Notice what it says in verse 3 of Colossians chapter 4. It says, "...with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak, walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time." Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. The title of my message tonight is Being Tactful in a Fickle World. Alright, being tactful in a fickle world. We live in a world today where like massive conflict can start just by somebody using the wrong words at a wrong time. We live in a world where you can be a teenage boy wearing a red Make America Great Again hat, and if you smile at the wrong moment, you can, I mean, literally ruin your life to where it's not safe for you to even go out in public. I mean, that's the kind of just crazy world we live in where we are all just one viral moment away from like needing witness protection. I mean, it is crazy just how, I mean, one thing, one statement, you know, one thing that just looks bad can just, I mean, it can, it can ruin somebody's life. And we do. We live in a world today where it's dangerous to, I mean, when you stop and think about it sometimes, just go out in public. Everybody's carrying around a camera with them everywhere they go. And if they video something at the right moment, at the right time, that looks just the right way, you know, it's something that can go viral. Everyone's going to see it. And it could ruin your life. And you know, we need to understand the times that we live in and we need to take into consideration some of the things that we do. We need to have a little bit of wisdom when you go out in public. You need to have a little bit of wisdom in the things you say because you know, it's, we don't want those moments. We don't want those things to happen with us. And we need to be people that have a little bit of tact, that know what to say, the right time to say it. You know, he says there in verse 5, you know, walk in wisdom towards them that are without. Okay? Talking about people outside the church, people outside Christianity, we need to be careful about how we are in, in their presence and in public, how we conduct ourselves, the things we say, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. Okay? There are some things that are true that we shouldn't necessarily say. When we go out soul winning, we don't go not, if, if I go up to a house and I see Mary in the bathtub, you know, outside that house, I know that's probably a Catholic. I'm not going to go up to it and say, hey, you know, and knock on their door, say we're from Liberty Baptist Church. I notice you got a Mary in the bathtub out there. You're probably Catholic, probably on your way to hell. Uh, you need to get, I'm not going to say it like that. Okay? I'm going to let my speech be with grace, seasoned with salt. Alright? I want to know how to answer every man. I'm not just going to, you know, when people, uh, you know, when we ask them, hey, what do you think a person's got to do to go to heaven? We ask people that all the time. And usually they say something along the lines of good works. And when they're out, when they say, oh, I think you just need to be good, you know, go to church, not kill anybody, I don't interrupt them and say, heretic! You know? I don't do that. Okay? None of us do that. You know, we let, we let, we use a little bit of tact. Okay? We let our speech be always with grace. We need to be careful, and we live in a very fickle world, you know, one that is just very emotionally inconsistent. It's all over the place. I mean, it, you know, and isn't it crazy, too, how in our country, I mean, literally, the, that one viral moment, okay, that one little thing 
that can literally start riots. Okay, I mean, some video surfaces out there, and you can have—I mean, you can have riots taking place. And isn't it amazing how, you know, you'll get Black Lives Matter all upset about something, something somebody said, somebody got shot, uh, whatever, and then all of a sudden they're tearing a city apart, and then all of a sudden the next day they're fine. You know, as soon as the video cameras leave, all of a sudden they're fine. It's like, what happened to all the chaos? You know what? You know, isn't it amazing the way some of these controversies that just eat up all of the news cycle, the way they all of a sudden just disappear and everybody forgets it? Why is that? It's because we live in a very fickle world. They're always all over the place. And some of the stuff that happens, it's, it's predictable. Some things you can't predict. But at the same time, we've got to understand we live in a very messed up world. A world that is very sensitive about certain things. They're always on a hair trigger. I mean, the littlest thing, it can, I mean, it can set things off that could literally cause, I mean, mass chaos in our lives. So we've got to walk in wisdom. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.10, it says, see then you, that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Our world is so wicked today. Our country is so wicked. Our news media is so messed up. We need to use a little bit of wisdom in how we operate and how we act. Colossians 4.3 says, with all praying also for us. I already read this passage. Let your speech with grace. But also in verse 5, says, walk in wisdom toward them without redeeming the time. Okay? We need to use the time we have wisely. I don't want to be spending all my time, you know, putting out unnecessary fires, just fighting stupid battles. And listen, I don't think, you know, there, there are some situations that come up, you know, the, the, some of these viral moments that have happened. Okay? For example, the kid in the red hat. Alright. Now, I don't think that kid did anything to ask for that situation. Okay. In fact, when after it surfaced what all took place and everything that they were kind of up against, people kind of understood why that kid had that look in his face. Okay. But either way, sometimes you see some of these viral moments like those people were asking for it. You know, they were being an idiot. They were asking for it. You know, we don't want to be like that. We need to use a little bit of wisdom in the things we do. We don't want to go starting riots. We don't want to go just creating great problems. And I don't believe we ought to live in fear about what we say. And definitely, I don't believe we ought to water down what we say. And I think that's part of why they blow a lot of this stuff out of proportion. They want to intimidate people into silence. And you know, we're not going to do that here. We're going to speak the truth in church. We're going to tell it like it is. You know, but at the same time, I don't need to be over the top trying to get attention type thing. There are some people, it's like they're desperate to get attention. Okay? We don't need, we don't, you know, we don't need to do that. You know, I don't need to come up here in church. I can preach against the homos all I want. And I don't need to go and use a bunch of visual demonstrations of me doing effigies of, you know, Bruce Jenner and, you know, burning, you know, rainbow flags and just, you know, all these theatrics. That all it's going to do is get me a lot of negative attention from those that are without. I don't. I don't need to do that. I don't need to give them that ammo. That would just be foolish for me to do that. But I don't. But I do believe we ought to tell the truth as it is. But I do believe when it comes to preaching the truth, when it comes to the things we do, how we act, that we should use some tact. I believe that is important. And while tact is not a Bible word, I think there are some synonyms that we see in the Bible. The definition of tact is a keen sense of what to say or 
uh, to avoid giving offense. Skill in dealing with difficult or delicate situations. That's what tact is. Or a keen sense of what is appropriate, tasteful, you know, uh, pleasing, you know, taste, discrimination. We ought to know, you know, there's some places it's just not good to say certain things. You know, and we need we need to think about that. You know, when you're at home, it's okay for you to tell your kids if they're messing around. If you don't knock it off, I'm going to beat the fire out of you. All right, it's okay for you to do that. But you know what? You might not want to say that at Walmart. You know, some idiot's going to take it the wrong way. I heard them saying they were going to beat their kid. You know, and then you're all of a sudden you're going to have a mess. They're going to call the cops. You have to explain a bunch of stuff. You need to learn how to you know talk and code sometimes with your kids in public. You know. Uh, what was it we used to say to you guys? What was the code we had for spanking for a while? I haven't used it in a long time. Medicine. You guys want your medicine? Because it's okay to give your kids medicine to calm them down. You know, I think it was Lon when she was a little bit younger. We was like, when you get home, you're going to get some medicine. Oh, I don't want medicine, you know. But that, that meant spankings. And, and, she, and she knew that. So, you know, you might need to use some of those things. What are you doing? You're using some tact. You're walking with wisdom towards them that are without. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. We live in a messed up world where there's a lot of idiots out there that think it's abuse to spank your kids. And so, you know what? I'm going to follow the Bible and I'm going to spank my kids when they need it. But at the same time, I'm, I don't need to broadcast it to a bunch of morons, you know, out at Walmart. That's not that's not what I need to do, and so we've got to think about these things, take these things into consideration, and so first, uh, so we need to make sure there's things that we do that aren't going to cause unnecessary offense. First Corinthians ten eleven says or thirty one, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Give none offense, neither to the Jew nor to the Gentiles nor to the Church of God. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. Okay? Now when it says give none offense here, we're not, we don't get to just take this verse and say, now we can't do anything that's offensive. Okay? Because the Bible also says that Jesus Christ is an offense. He's a rock of offense, right? What's this talking about? You have to look at the context. If you look at all of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he's talking specifically about what you eat. Okay? And if you are, you know, in a culture or if you're at some place where eating certain things would be offensive, if you're wanting to win these people to Christ, I don't want to offend these people with what I eat. Okay? I don't want to give offense in that situation. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to think about myself. I'm going to think about other people. And so when the Bible talks about not giving an offense, that's talking about things that you could say are optional. For us, okay? Certain things are not optional for us. For example, if I'm soul winning, it is not optional for me to water down the gospel to not hurt somebody's feelings. It's not optional for me if I talk to somebody and they say, well, I'm Muslim, for me to just say, well, you're okay then. No, you know what I have to do? I have to preach Jesus, which will be an offense. That is not optional. But if I go to a Muslim person's house, or if I invite a Muslim person over because I want to witness to them, I shouldn't serve bacon. I shouldn't eat bacon. Okay? Why? Because it's I, I don't have to eat bacon. I'm not obeying God. I'm not disobeying God with those things. So we shouldn't do things that are offensive, that are optional to other people. Not if we want to win them over. We ought to be thinking about other people, not just ourselves. So some things are going to be offensive no matter what. 
Some people are offended today when they see a family like ours where the man looks like a man, the woman looks like a woman, and you have a whole bunch of kids. When you have seven kids. You know, that is offensive to some people today, especially lesbians. They always look at us so dirty just like we look at them. And, you know, that we're an offense to them, they're an offense to us, whatever. But, said so some things, they're going to be an offense no matter what. You know, there's some things that are not optional. Okay? But, so what we have to do is we need to use some of these synonyms for tact. You know, we need to have some common sense. A Bible word that's used often is discretion. Use a little bit of discretion with people. Prudence is another word that is used. Alright? You know, be sensitive. Another word that's used too, another synonym for um, tact is subtlety. Okay? Which, and we'll, uh, that word subtle, we often think of that in a negative word. Why? Because the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. But the word subtle, it means sly in design, artful, cunning, insinuating, applied as to persons as a subtle foe. So, subtle, it has, it, you know, there are some good meanings to it. We should use some wisdom. We should be wise as serpents. You know, but harmless as doves. Proverbs 1 4. Okay, one of the purposes of Proverbs, it says in Proverbs 1 4, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. Okay, this is basically talking about tact right here. A wise man will hear and will increase in learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel to understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. We ought to want to grow in wisdom and subtlety. We are, as we talked about this morning, we are supposed to be in the business of winning people to Christ. We're supposed to be trying to be a good influence. And we need to understand that there are many things that we can do that aren't even bad, that could be offensive. And we need to try to have some wisdom in these things. We need to you know, pay attention to other people and be aware of other people's feelings. And we ought to be able to know what to say and when to say it, know what not to say. Those ought to be character traits that we have and we need to grow in wisdom if that's going to take place. We need to have prudence is another word. And if you look at the definition of prudence, one of the words it uses to define it is trickery. But it says in a good sense, discretion. Okay, So, uh, what does that mean? You know, trickery. Isn't trickery always bad? Well, not, necess- not necessarily. Okay. It mean, once again, it means in a good sense. All right. We're, we're using prudence in a positive way just because there are some things that we can do, once again, that aren't bad that could offend somebody in a way that would hurt them where it's going to, you know, make it difficult for us to give them the gospel. It's going to make it, you know, it, it could, uh, you know, just make things difficult or it could even, there may be situations where we might, we could end up being in danger. Okay? And not so much of this in America, but let me show you some stuff with Jesus, alright? The Bible prophesied about Jesus in Isaiah 52.13 says, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently, and he shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. So, uh, Jesus was somebody who used prudence. And I want you to turn over to John chapter 2, alright? Let me show you some things in John chapter 2 about Jesus that I think answers a lot of questions. It's answered a lot of questions that I've had in the past, uh, questions a lot of people have asked. It's just one of these things. We read this about Jesus, but we kind of just glance over it. And this is a very important thing. Jesus was somebody that used a great deal of tact. 
And I said, well, he was always causing riots. He was always causing trouble places. Yes, just because unfortunately, sometimes there's no way around it. You're going to cause trouble. You're going to cause an offense. But we see Jesus often avoiding very dangerous situations through prudence, through tact, through subtlety. Where, you know, you could even say in many ways, you know, he kind of tricked the people, but in, in a good way. So first off, let me read this very misunderstood passage, right? In John chapter 2, this passage of Scripture right here is one that I have heard butchered so many times in a very, in a very terrible way. But in John chapter 2, verse 23, let me, let me turn over there real quick. John 2, 23. I personally believe the theme of this chapter is it's showing the prudence of Jesus Christ. Showing how, uh, showing His subtlety and His wisdom. It says in John 2.23, Now when He was in Jerusalem at the Passover and the feast day, many believed in His name when they saw the miracles which He did. But Jesus did not commit Himself unto them because He knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man, for He knew what was in man. Now, I've heard this verse interpreted that you know what? It's not enough for you to just believe on Christ. It's not enough to just have a head knowledge. You've got to have a heart knowledge. Because Jesus, notice these people, they believed in Him, but Jesus didn't commit Himself to them. Why? Because He knew what was in man. He knew they hadn't repented of their sins. You know, He knew they had a head knowledge of Jesus, but there wasn't a heart knowledge. So these people didn't get saved. It's not enough for you to just believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's got to believe in you too. Why? Because He didn't commit Himself to them. Well, what does that mean? First off, does that have anything to do with salvation? I'm going to show you it has absolutely nothing to do with salvation. Okay? The theme of this chapter is showing the just the off-the-charts wisdom of Jesus Christ in dealing with people. That's what it's showing. And this has nothing to do with salvation. So let me show you a few things in chapter 2. So in chapter 2, this is where we see the first miracle of Jesus Christ. We're not going to read the whole chapter. In Canaan of Galilee, remember they go to the wedding, they run out of wine. Jesus' mother says, hey, my son can take care of this. And what did Jesus say to her? He says in verse 4, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Okay? Now, why wouldn't he want to do a miracle there that everyone could see? You know, he's Jesus. Isn't this just going to get people to believe on him? But no, he says, why, you know, why are you doing this? And then we see, we're not going to read it all, when he did that, where he changed the water into wine, they kind of kept it quiet. The servants knew, you know, the disciples and Jesus' mother knew, but we don't see anywhere in this passage where the people at the wedding feast gave the credit to Jesus Christ. Why? Because this is something He kind of did it quiet because He did not want it getting out that He did this. I believe because it would have put Him in a difficult situation. It was not time for Him to be revealed yet. And so He's using wisdom here. He's using tact. Alright, I'll help the people out. But you know what? Let's keep it quiet. He's using some tact. If you keep on reading um, even farther, it goes on to a next story. In chapter 12, He went down to Capernaum. He, his mother, his brother, and they continued there not many days. The Jews' Passover was at hand, and he found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the chains of money setting. And you all know this story. This is where he went and he ran the people out. Now, this kind of got him some attention here 
But this is something that he needed to do. It was a, it was a necessary thing that he did. But at the same time, what did they say after he does this to him? The Jews said unto him in verse 18, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? Hey, what gives you the authority to come in here and tell us what to do? Show us a sign. But what did Jesus do? Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Now, did they get this saying? No, nobody got this saying. So why, why did He say this to them in a, in a way like this? You know, why, why would He do this? Alright? You know why? Because it wasn't for them to know at that time. You know what? He was not ready to fully reveal Himself. He understood that, you know what? If I go and I declare myself the Messiah right now, these people will kill me. And it was not His time. It was not His time to die. Later on, his disciples realized what it meant after he rose from the dead. But then, when he comes into Jerusalem, all right. So everything we've been seeing here, it's showing the wisdom of Christ and how he's handling these situations. Why? Because he knows man. He knows what's in man. So when he comes to Jerusalem at the Passover, many believed in him. He's in Jerusalem. Okay, this is right after he's drove these people out of the temple. Okay, he's got a lot of people mad at him right now. But he does these miracles there, and all many people are believing in him. But when it says he did not commit himself unto them, you know what it's saying? It means he didn't put himself into their hands. He didn't stay there with them. All right, if he's gonna if he's gonna stay there in Jerusalem, he's gonna need somebody to take him up. He's or to put him up. He's gonna need to he's gonna need a place to stay. And Jesus knew this crowd. I just caused a bunch of trouble in the temple. I did some other things over here. I got a people here that believe me. While the crowd's liking me right now, he knew what was in man. They're not going to stay feeling this way about me. And if I stay here, I'm going to get myself in trouble. And you know what? My hour is not yet come. And so we see often when Jesus is performing miracles, what would he do? He would say, don't tell anybody about this. Now, why was he doing that? Why? Man, you, you, you healed me. You, I, I can see. Shouldn't I be telling everybody about you? No, because it would have got him in trouble. It would have put him in a dangerous situation. We see these examples throughout Jesus' ministry. So when Jesus would say these things to people, much of what we see in the Bible, it's showing Jesus dealing prudently. Why? Because He knows the multitudes. He had so much wisdom that He could look into a crowd and He would know what they were going to do. And when he looked into this crowd in Jerusalem, he sees a crowd of people that a lot of them were mad at him because of what he did in the temple. A lot of them believed him because of the good things he did. They believed his message. But at the same time, he's looking at that crowd and he's like, you know what? While things are looking good right now, by later tonight, it could be completely different. You know why? Because they were a very fickle people. We see them one day praising him, singing Hosanna. A couple days later, what are they doing? They're crying out, crucify him. That was the type of world that Jesus lived in. That was the type of thing He had to deal with. And yet, and Jesus dealt prudently. He had all these people that hated Him all those years that He did His ministry, yet nobody ever got to Him. Nobody ever succeeded until His hour had come. And then when His hour came, they came and He went and He died. And so, John chapter 2, when He's talking about did not commit Himself to them, that had nothing to do with salvation. He was using, the Bible's using the word commit there the same way that the Bible uses the word commit 
Um, in oh, where is it? Look at First um, Peter. Or no, that's not it. I don't think I put the verse there. Verse in there. Oh yeah, First Peter four nineteen it says, "Wherefore let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him." And well doing is unto a faithful Creator. All right? How do we get saved? You know, we commit ourselves unto Him. What does that mean? We are entrusting our souls to Jesus. So when G- when the Bible says Jesus did not commit Himself unto them, it's saying He did not entrust Himself to those people. Now, explain to me how that's about salvation. Does Jesus entrust Himself to us when we get saved, or do we entrust ourselves to Him? Okay? We commit ourselves to Him. In other words, we don't commit to follow Him. No, we commit our souls to Him. We put Him in trust. So that's just a horrible misunderstanding. That passage, that chapter, it's all about the prudence of Jesus Christ, the subtlety, the wisdom. Jesus used these very characteristics in His life. And we need to be using these same things too. And so, look at what it says. Turn over to Romans chapter 14 and verse 15. So, what are some things that we need to do to be tactful in our life? What are ways that we can uh, help ourselves? Because, you know, I mean, some of us, we, you know, might not be real socially aware. You know, there's some people, they don't know how to act in different social situations. You know, there's some people that are a little bit rude. You know, they, they don't realize when you're eating at a fancy restaurant. You don't show up in your pajamas. Have you ever been in a nicer restaurant and you have these people that you know look like they just got their tax refund, you know, and they spend all of it on that meal and none of it on their clothes and they like want to show up in their PJs? And it's just like, what is wrong with you people? Alright? No social awareness. You know? They'll sit there, they'll eat their meal, they'll let out a big belch at the table or something like that. You know, it's like not tactful, okay? There is a time. And a place for that, you know, but, you know, when I'm with my boys driving down the road, we stop at a gas station, we get a Coke, there's going to be some noises that are going to take place in the car, right? I'm not going to do it in church, you know. Next, you know, when we're having our fellowship next Sunday, not going to do it there. That is not the time, okay? Some people would, okay? Some people would. I've gone to church with people before. I've gone, I, we went, I went to a church with a lady, a woman, who, I mean, she'd sit there and let them rip right during the service. I'm not lying. I'm not lying. They sat, sat right around where Brother Lonnie's at, and there was like this invisible circle, half circle all around where she sat because nobody would sit. Everybody knew. Everybody knew what took place during service. And, you know, I never sat anywhere over there. And for the longest time, I thought, people are making this up. She's not really doing that. And I remember one day, it was after church, I was talking with her and her husband, and we're talking. And in mid sentence, in mid sentence of her talking to me, without even making a face, I don't even know how you do that. I mean, just let it rip. I'm just like, the stories are true. <laughs> and, and you know, and, and there were several other times after that. I was like, wow. I mean, it was it was crazy. No tact. Okay, there's a time and place for that. All right, but not not in church. Good night. You know, use a little bit of tact. Some people don't have it. So. Here's some things that you need to do. Some things that you just need to figure out, understand your life if you're going to be a tactful person. First off, you've got to remember that the world doesn't revolve around you. Okay? Listen, life is not all about you. You are not 
the, fo the focal point of everything. Look what it says in Romans chapter 14 and verse 15. It says, But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably? Destroy not him for with thy meat for whom Christ died. Let not your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that is in these things serveth Christ as acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after things which are made for peace and things wherewith one may edify one another. For meat destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eateth with offense. Once again, now we don't really deal with this much in our culture, in our society in America. You know, most of the time we're not going to offend somebody with what we eat. Okay, that's just, that's not a big problem here. Okay, but in this time, in this culture, it probably was, and in some places of the world, it probably still is. And you know what? The last thing we need to do is waste our time offending people by the things we eat. So well, I like it. Well, guess what? Life's not all about you. Don't offend somebody. Just so you, you know, can have a little bit of pleasure stuffing your face. All right. Think about other people. Walk charitably. You know, these are somebody who Christ died. Think about that, and you know, do things that are acceptable. You know, we're going to edify one another. You know, for you know, the for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. Okay. As, as Christians, you know, for some people in the world today, their life is all about the pleasures of the flesh always wanting to post pictures of themselves, eating at fancy restaurants, doing all the things that successful people do. You know what? That is the most shallow, pointless lifestyle. I'm sorry, but when you, when you look at the, you know, the food you eat and the places you eat as like this big status symbol, I'm sorry, your life's pointless, right? I like a good meal. I like a good restaurant as much as anybody else. But you know what? It's not the most important thing in the world to me. But you know what it is for some people? In fact, it's some people's entire life. You look at some people's social media, all it is is what they eat. And you know what? The kingdom of God, it's not meat and drink. And so we need to understand that, you know what? This life is not all about me. I'm not going to do things that might offend somebody just because I like to do it. I might like to, after I eat a big meal, to drink a big Coke and let out a big belch. But you know what? That might make me feel good. But you know what? I ought to think about other people too. I ought to think about the fact that it might bother somebody else. I need to take those things into consideration. I might like going days and days and days without showers, but I might need to take into consideration that people don't want to smell me. And I, and I need to think about the fact that I'm going to be out in public with other people. I wish some people would think about that. I wish some people would take that kind of thing into consideration. But you know what? They don't care. They don't mind going out in public and smelling terrible. They don't mind, you know, looking like they just rolled out of bed. They don't care about any of that stuff. Why? Because in their world, you know, the world revolves around them. You got people today wanting to debate whether the world's spinning around the sun or whatever. Some people think the world's spinning around themselves. Revolving around themselves. That is their mentality. And we should not be that way. The world does not revolve around us. We need to take the time to learn about others, and we need to think, hey, you know, I don't want to set people up. Especially if you're going to be trying to minister to people and giving people the gospel. You need to think about this stuff and not do these things. We need to be willing to get out of our comfort zone. And we ought to be willing to help other people. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 19. It says, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. 
And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. Oh, it looks like Paul's being phony here. Looks like Paul's being two-faced here. You know, Paul wasn't under the law. Why is he acting like he's under the law? You know, to them that are without the law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men that I by all means save some. Okay? This isn't about being phony, about being two-faced, but Paul, what he's saying is, you know what? If I'm going to reach these people, if this is a poor area, they're not going to listen to me if I'm living like a king, like a rich person. If this is somebody that's following the law, okay? Keeping the Sabbath, you know, keeping the dietary laws, I don't want to offend these people by working on Saturday, by eating pork, you know, even though, I, and so I, if it's somebody that's without the law, you know, some Gentile, you know, I'll eat the bacon with them. Okay, I'll go help them, uh, you know, pull their weeds on a Saturday. But notice how he says, "Yet not without law to God." We shouldn't disobey God's law. Okay, but you know, when you're in Rome, go ahead and do as the Romans do, as long as the Romans don't tell you to violate God's law. If you go somewhere and their custom is to wash your hands before you eat, I don't know why anybody have that custom. Make sure you wash your hands before you eat. You know, if it's to eat on the floor, eat on the floor. If it's to eat with your fingers, eat with your fingers. You're not violating any of God's laws if you do those things. And we want to do, we want to do these things. Why? Because we're trying to win people. Now watch this. Because we covered this verse in this morning's radio program. This verse coming up gets misused greatly. Paul's been talking about winning people. To Christ. And then he goes on and he says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. He's comparing winning a race in this situation with winning people to Christ. That's what he's talking about. Winning people to Christ. Now, every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Okay? Now, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. If somebody's striving to be the fastest runner, you know what? They're going to be temperate in their diet. They're going to be temperate in their exercise program. Why? Because they want to win the race. If I want to win people to Christ, I need to be temperate in all things. If I want to win people to Christ, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. I've got a method to what I'm doing. I've got a, I've got a plan. Why? Because I want to win somebody. And it says, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be cast away. People tried, that guy who wrote that stupid article we read this morning, used this verse to show people could lose their salvation because you'd be cast away. You know that word cast away, it means, it's, it, the meaning of it's very similar to the word reprobate. It means rejected. Alright? But rejected by who? Rejected by God or rejected by the people that you're trying to win? Y'all see what he's talking about here? He says, I'm keeping my body in subjection. Why? So when I preach to others, I will not be rejected by them. I don't want to be cast away by them. Why? Because I'm trying to win these people to Christ. So Paul did. He did these things that were just extra above and beyond. Why? Because he wanted to be acceptable to people. He wanted to win people to Christ. And boy, when I saw that guy use this verse to prove you could lose your salvation, I thought, what a moron. 
to even think that. That has nothing to do with this verse. That you just saw the word castaway. It means reject. Uh, cast away by God. Doesn't even look at the context. It's ridiculous what people will do with the scriptures. So, you know, if if you're on a mission trip in a foreign land, said when in Rome, do as Rome as long as Rome doesn't tell you to violate the law of God. You need to be observant. You must have the ability to notice the needs and feelings of other people. You've got you know at Bible says in Philippians 2 3, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. That's how Jesus acted. And that's how we ought to act. So we need to remember, once again, the world doesn't revolve around us. Our actions, okay, our words, they not only affect us, but they affect those who are with us. Look at John 17 and verse 14. See, some people today who don't have any tact, one of the things, I mean, they are, they're, there's some people they are just like a bull in a china shop. There's some people out there, it's just like they are good at causing trouble wherever they go. And listen, if you want to go out in public and you want to get yourself in trouble and you want to get yourself beat up, you know what? Go right ahead. You know, I, you know, if you want to go to a Muslim country and just start, you know, cursing the Prophet Muhammad, go right ahead. I, you know, I, I guess I can't stop you from doing that. But you know what? Before you do that, can you do a couple things? One, think about who else that might affect. All right. If you're a dad, you've got, or you, or a husband, you, know, you've got a wife and you got kids. You need to think about the fact that if you go and you use zero tact trying to win the Muslims on their turf where they're probably, you know, they have the right and the authority to kill you. Think about the fact that it's not going to affect just you. It's going to affect your wife and kids. Okay? As a pastor, as much fun as I might have stirring things up sometimes, I probably should take into consideration that, you know what? If I go out and I make myself look like an idiot, I also make all of you who have associated yourselves with me look like an idiot also. I need to think about those things, alright? And if I end up, you know, the world tries making me look like an idiot because they just don't like or stand or whatever, you know, there's nothing I can do about that. Alright? There's, if I'm just preaching the truth and people mess with that, nothing I can do about that. But once again, do I really need to go out of my way to try to draw attention to myself? Okay? If I do that, I ought to, you know, take into consideration my actions don't affect just me. Okay? They affect other people too. That's why it's so aggravating to me. Alright? Nobody should fall into sin. Nobody should do certain things. But you know, when a pastor goes and falls into deep sin, it's like, did they not, did they not think about their church? Did they not even ever one time stop and think, how is this going to make my church look? You know, when I, when I think of Pastor Merrill and what happened there, it's, that was, that was my thing. What, what about that, fam his family? What about his church that loved him? All those people there, you know, all his pastor friends, who associated with them, who loved him, who stood with him. You know, did he ever think about them? I mean, listen, you know, thinking about God should be, you know, that should be enough right there. But you realize that actually requires some faith. Okay? That ought to be enough to stop all of us from doing any bad thing. But you realize you don't need, even need faith to take into consideration those around you. Okay? If I go out there and I decide 
to go, you know what, I don't, I'm not getting paid enough, I'm going to go sell some drugs. Alright? You know, that is just beyond insanity. Because that will make this entire church look bad. When I get caught. Okay? It will make all my friends, preachers that have, you know, associated themselves with me, that have publicly been my friends, that will make them all look bad. Why would we not think about that stuff? We have to think about those things, alright? And we gotta use a little bit of tact. And you know what? I'd like to think that before I ever got into some, you know, deep sin that would just humiliate me and everyone associated with me, I'd like to think that I would at least quit pastoring first. That I'd like to think that I'd at least have the decency to step down and to walk away from here and give myself some distance from you guys and some time and then go and do whatever horrible thing I want to do. I'd like to think that I would do that, you know? I, you know and, but unfortunately, some people don't do that. But you know what? Jesus, He understood and I believe even had concern for the fact that, you know what? Following Him was going to get people in trouble. It was going to be a dangerous thing for them. Look what He says in John 17, 14. It says, I have given them Thy Word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that Thou shouldst take them out of the world, but that Thou shouldst keep them from evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I love how Jesus here, He's praying for His disciples. Why? Because you know what? The world's going to hate them because they're doing the same things I'm doing. And He said, you know, Lord, He prayed that God would keep them from evil. You know what? Jesus was concerned about His disciples. Jesus understood that the things He did, him doing, you know, them following Him, would get them in trouble, and he was concerned about that. He's praying for them. And you know what? Following Jesus got them killed eventually, according to history. It got most of them killed. But you know what? It didn't stop Jesus from caring. And you know what? We don't see Jesus doing things reckless with them. Um, well, you know what? Turn back to uh, John chapter 7. Let me show you this in John chapter 7. I think, I think this is kind of interesting. Once again, just showing the prudence of Jesus Christ. It says, After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for He would not walk in Jewry because the Jews sought to kill Him. Alright? So He's using some common sense. Hey, they're going to try to kill me, so I'm not going to walk there. You know, I think we ought to go to the Muslim countries. I think we ought to preach to them. You know, that's what the Apostle Paul would have done. That's what Jesus would have done. Well, no, actually, when Jesus knew that the Jews were going to try to kill Him, He didn't walk in Jewry. Okay? Think, you know, just a little bit of common sense there. Now, the Jews' feast of tabernacles is at hand. His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. It's like, man, all these miracles. Go out and do them. Let, let everybody see this. For neither did his brethren yet believe in him. Then Jesus said unto them, my time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth, because I testify of it that the world that works are ever evil. Go ye up into the feast. I go not up yet into this feast, for my time is not yet full come. But I believe Jesus was saying here when He says, my time is not yet come, but your time is already. Jesus was saying, 
this isn't my time to die. But your time, it could come at any time. And so Jesus didn't want to go up there with His disciples and reveal Himself to everybody yet. Why? Because it would probably get His disciples killed. And so I believe He's saying, you know what? You guys go ahead and go up. okay? Because they're not, the world can't hate you. I'm the one that they hate. So you guys go ahead and go up and go. Go by yourself. You know, I'll come later. What was He doing? He was thinking about His disciples. He didn't want to... Get them killed. Look what it says in verse 30 of chapter 7. It says, Then they sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him because his hour was not yet come. So even in this situation where they wanted to kill him, they weren't able to. Why? Because it wasn't time. Okay? There was no way God's will was going to be messed up in this situation. There was a very specific time when Jesus would go and he would die. But you know what? When it came to the disciples, they could have early. So you know what Jesus did? He used some prudence. He used some wisdom. Why? To protect them. To think about the fact that what He did, His actions would affect His disciples. And once again, we have got to, we've got to keep these things in mind and remember what we do affects other people. And so that means we don't always get to just say whatever we want and do whatever we want and act however we want. We need to have a little bit of tact. And you all need to keep that in mind too because you all represent Liberty Baptist Church. Okay? When you go out in public, when, you know, please, you know, don't be getting yourself in the newspaper, you know, for committing crimes and on the news for robbing banks. Listen, don't, don't do that. You'll make our whole church look bad. You know, that's why we don't let perverts in the church. We don't want them getting caught and then everybody finding out about it and finding out where the church of perverts go to. That will ruin our reputation. Okay, Think about these things and be careful. So, last thing you just need to do is in order to have some tact, you need to increase in wisdom. Okay, Tact, once again, it's wisdom. You know how to act in certain situations. You have prudence. You have some subtlety. You know, To give subtlety to the simple. To the young man, knowledge and discretion. Proverbs 1.5 A wise man will hear and will increase in learning and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels to understand a proverb and proverb in the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. So we, the book of Proverbs, I mean, it is full of wisdom that will help you in every situation. If you want to be a tactful person, you know what you need to start doing right now is reading the book of Proverbs. You need to start reading these Proverbs. You need to meditate on these Proverbs. You need to memorize them, practice them. These, I mean, it is amazing how many Proverbs have protected me in my own life, that have kept me out of very difficult situations, potentially dangerous situations. There have been times when I have, I mean, literally had to just keep quoting myself certain Proverbs. Why? Because, you know, I was tempted to do some things that I knew violate what Proverbs teaches. And so here's just a few I'll throw out at you that have helped me. Proverbs 17.27 says, He that hath knowledge spareth his words. And a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Even a fool when he holds his peace is counted wise, and he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. You know what? Some people who are tactful, they often know, they know when to speak and they know when to shut up. Some people, they just speak. No matter what. It's like no tact. Listen, sometimes you're just better off not saying anything. So, well, I just, I don't know how to act. Alright? And sometimes it's hard, okay? When somebody's hurting, when somebody's sick or dying, or when somebody's lost a family member, 
Those are tough situations, aren't they, for us? You know, we often don't want to be around that person that's going through a tragedy. Why? It's not that we don't want to be there for them. It's just we don't know how to act. You know, you don't know what to say. And we shouldn't just say, well, you know what? I'm going to think about myself. I'm going to go hide in a corner. You know, I'm going to stay away from them. No, we know what we need to do. We need to pray, Lord, give me some wisdom. Lord, help me know the right things to say at the right time. And we could gain a lot of wisdom and a lot of insight from reading the Bible. From reading the book of Proverbs. You know, Ecclesiastes has some good ones. Ecclesiastes 7 8, I like this one. Better is the end of the thing than the beginning thereof, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. We need to learn to look at the end of things. Not always just look at the present. Okay? Think, consider the end of things. That's what a wise person does. And that man of discretion, that man of prudence, that person is going to act in a way thinking about, you know what? I want to finish right. I want to end well. And the Bible has a lot of verses that will help us with that. You know, anger usually gets us in trouble. We need to think about all the times in our life we've gotten trouble for being angry. I understand that the Bible says be angry and sin not. I get that. But why does the Bible say be angry and sin not? You know, I understand there's righteous indignation. So why did the Bible have to throw in that and sin not if it's not a sin to be angry? I'll tell you why. Because when we're angry, what do we tend to do? We tend to sin. Okay? And listen, I do believe righteous indignation is okay, but I'm smart enough to know that when I'm angry, even when it's righteous indignation, I tend to want to do the wrong thing. And James 1.19 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Yeah, I, listen, I'm 100% for righteous indignation. But I understand too that you know what? When I'm mad, I usually get things wrong. So you know what? When I'm mad about something, and I don't always do this, alright? I don't, when we're mad, we don't usually follow our rules, alright? But I've, I've succeeded in following these rules before. When I'm mad, what I try to do is I try to, alright, while I'm good and inspired, here's how I'm going to deal with this person in this situation. And I try to wait a day or two to actually do it. Okay? Why do I do that? Because, you know, I usually think more clearly when I'm not angry. And I think most of us are that way. And so we need, you know, we learn these things in the Bible that will help us be wise, that will help us have tact, where we can know how to act, we can know what to say. We need to be this way. And so the key to being tactful is simply this it's just don't be self centered. It's not all about me. It's not all about just how much attention I can get. And you know, some people like the chaos. Some people like the trouble. Okay? You know, my dad used to do this thing. He'd see two, you know, little brothers. He'd always look at the older brother and say, Is it true your younger brother can beat you up? You know, and then usually that would result in the older brother start beating up on the younger brother. Alright? He would say those things just to try to get him fighting and stuff like that. Just have fun. I've done some of those same things. Can't help it. Got it from my dad. Alright, you know, sometimes there's people they do, they just, they like the conflict. You know, there's some people, it's just so easy to push their buttons. And this is a problem I had when I was younger too. And the Lord has made me pay fourfold with Jason. Alright, because Jason's good at this too. I knew how to push the buttons. I, there were some people, it was so easy 
to just go and do this one little thing that could never get you in trouble. But boy, it would get them in a whole bunch of trouble. And I, I, was, I was good at that. I, I knew how to do that. I've had coworkers that, you know, it was easy to push their buttons. You know, and it was enjoy, it was entertaining to just go and be able to say the littlest thing, do the littlest thing, and then watch the fireworks. Isn't it satisfying? You know, we all like watching fireworks, but what's, the only thing more fun than watching fireworks is being the one that lit the fuse, isn't it? Don't, don't you love that? I, all guys like to send off fireworks, right? Isn't it better when you lit the fuse? It looks the exact same, but to know that I did that, right? It feels good. And everybody likes watching somebody blow their top. Everybody likes somebody raise a big stink. And doesn't it, isn't it satisfying? Is this just me, folks? All right. When you lit the fuse, all right? All I did was lit the fuse and look at that. And there's people out there that give others that satisfaction. And, and I've been there. I do that. I mean, I still do some of that stuff sometimes. Let me just confess one sin, all right? And I'll be done, you know. And I, I probably shouldn't do this publicly where people can see it. But I'm going to do it because it will probably take away all my power. And then I won't do these things anymore. But I love on any of these videos that are out there like attacking the Tyler Baker clan. I love just leaving a comment on there because it always set these, sets these guys off and gets them leaving all these comments under there it, every time. And I, I mean, a lot of times I don't care. But I, I'll just leave a comment just because I know it will fry their gizzard. And it is hilarious to watch the aftermath. Uh, it's, just, it, it's so fun to know that just saying punk Kyle will just set that guy off and probably get him to make two or three videos about me being a railer. I, I shouldn't do that kind of stuff. But folks... We all like fireworks, and isn't it fun when you lit the fuse, all right? And I've I've lit the you know, and it, it, it I, so I just I lost all my power to do that again, so I'm done doing that. Wash my hands with that. I needed to give that up anyway. It was a bad habit, and so I, I I'm done with it now. But we've got we've got to understand the things that we do, the things we say. There's consequences for them, and sometimes we're not the only ones that pay them. So we let's have some tact. Let's Understand when we do things, there's going to be consequences and think about those before we do those things. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for all Your blessings. We thank You, Lord, for Your Word and the wisdom that it teaches us. And I pray You'll help us to apply these things in our life. Lord, I pray You'll help us to study the Proverbs that You've uh, you put in Your Word and help us to uh, meditate on these things. And Lord, I pray You'll help us to be uh, people of prudence and subtlety uh, and tact. And You'll help us to be able to make a difference so we can win more people to You. In Your name we pray. Amen. Let's go.